Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with a special edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I was able to catch up with former Atlanta United President Darren Eels, who is now the president of Newcastle, which later this summer is coming to Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium to play Chelsea in a friendly organized by the Premier League. He sat down with me for a long time to talk about his time at Atlanta United, how he could apply lessons to Newcastle, which is currently in third in the Premier League, and if results go right this weekend, could clinch a Champions League spot for next season, which is exciting. Darren is also going to be at Brewhouse Pub at 7 a.m. Saturday, uh, meeting Magpie supporters here in Atlanta, if you want to go. But I hope you'll enjoy this podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AGC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. How does it feel to be back in Atlanta? Oh, it's, uh, it's really special because it's been about nine months. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been very busy at Newcastle from sort of hitting the ground. Um, but yeah, just great to be back. Obviously, landing with 28 degrees Celsius weather is very nice, uh, a lot warmer than Newcastle. Um, but no, it's, it's great to be back here and just to see, you know, old familiar faces. So how did this, this friendly that's going to be coming up uh, between y'all uh, and um, Chelsea, how did that come about? So it's, um, the Premier League's always done traditionally like a pre-season tournament. Mm-hmm. It's usually been sort of Hong Kong or in those sort of regions, but they wanted to do something in the United States. So it's a slightly bigger tournament used to be four teams this is going to be a six-team summer series mm-hmm. so I think you know it shows the importance of the United States market obviously with NBC and the investment they've given into the Premier League in growing the brand and growing Premier League on that sort of Saturday morning which has become almost like a new mm-hmm. TV slot so I think it was something as well that was a chance to come over here and to see those fans that have got their Premier League teams that they watch on a Saturday morning and actually see them in person so I mean, it's an exciting one where you've got Aston Villa, Brighton, Brentford, ourselves. Um, who am I missing? Um, and then Chelsea, obviously, yeah. in as well. But yeah, so it's going to be a good, good, uh, good series. But obviously, from my perspective, I was really pleased when we were able to secure Atlanta as one of the venues, um, and we're going to have Newcastle here, and we're actually going to stay here for the duration of the tour and then fly up for the game. So Atlanta will be our base camp. Did they, the promoters, did they pick your brain about, because you've seen all the stadiums in the United States? Yes, and look, I mean, there was obviously a little bit of help in the background Mm -hmm. on securing Mercedes-Benz Stadium as one of the venues. And I think, you know, that's that's what we wanted to do. And it was brilliant that 
were able to work with AMBSE and get it secured and obviously you know it sold out very quickly so I think it's going to be an exciting double header and you know such a great venue I'm excited to sh- you know yeah. to show it to everyone else because it is different St James's Park mm-hmm. is an amazing cathedral on the hill stadium that's you know in the heart of a city um, but Mercedes-Benz Stadium is you know just different from mm-hmm. the roof that opens and closes in seven minutes the halo ball all those things it's just a different sort of type of special there's a lot of Newcastle fans in Atlanta now uh, yeah, that's the hope. We're doing a viewing tomorrow at the, at the Brew House. We're playing Leeds United. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we wanted to do something as well to in advance of the summer tour with the Atlanta Mags and with the Newcastle fans mm-hmm. in the region. Uh, and any Atlanta United fans who want to come along. But, you know, Brew House, so we're going to do a Q&A. We've got Nobby Solano, mm-hmm. the, you know, legend player. And, you know, I'll be there doing any, you know, Q&A. So we'll do that at like sort of 7 o'clock. Then 7.30 is a big match for us against mm-hmm. Leeds because we're, in effect, two wins away from possible Champions League. So it'd be nice to secure one of those tomorrow. And they're going to be fighting tooth and nail too. They're going to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every point to, it's going to be a fun game. to get out of it. Solano scored one of the best goals I've ever seen. It was outside of his right foot, curled it into the upper right corner from a tight angle. Oh, God, this was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. No, I just remember the goal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some <laughs> of the free kicks he scored. I mean, he, you know, he's a legend. So... so the success of Newcastle this year, when you took the job, I know you want to win all the trophies, but are you yeah. a little bit stunned at just how quickly the team developed under Eddie Howe and, and the success that it's having this season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it'd be fair to say that at the start of the season, you know, as we were thinking about our projections, we weren't expecting to be, you know, quite as quickly as we have been in mm-hmm. terms of top end of the table, obviously third place at the moment with four games to go. So I think, you know, in that respect, we're ahead of schedule because, you know, when you look at the the Premier League, you usually finish where your wage bill is. And ours mm-hmm. is about eighth or ninth in the league. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been, I think, after staving off relegation, which was, you know, ownership's main priority when they took over. You know, to turn that around and do what we're doing now is pretty incredible. And I think, you know, for me, the stat that sums it up is in the calendar year of 21, the most goals ever conceded in a calendar year was uh, Newcastle United. Mm. And then this season, you know, yeah. our strength has been, you know, the defence. Yeah. And, you know, Fabian Shah, you know, the these are players that were around before that Eddie's sort of galvanised and just got this team spirit. So I think it's certainly probably in advance of what we'd hoped for, but it's, you know, it's been thoroughly earned. It's not been a sort of case of we've been going to away games and parking the bus. I mean, it's been on the front foot mm-hmm. and taking it to teams right from my very first game was the Man City 3-all mm. at St James's Park, which mm-hmm. was an incredible game. Mm-hmm. But I think that was that was really interesting because it was playing Manchester City, but just going toe-to-toe. Mm-hmm. wasn't trying to just sneak a win. And I think, you know, Eddie's done that throughout the season. And every now and then we've had only a couple of moments where I'd said, you know, we didn't do as well as we'd hoped. Like Aston Villa recently, we lost. And what we've done a really good job is bouncing back and, you know, then putting together four straight wins mm-hmm. after that. So I think that's been... The story of the season where even if there's been a blip there's been a reaction to it that's another team that just freaking came on like yeah, yeah, no, train yeah. In the last two-thirds of the season um so some of these players that have helped newcastle uh reach uh third right now on the product table what is the probability that we'll see some of those faces in atlanta when y'all play well we're going to bring the whole squad with us so okay. we'll have three matches because we're going to be playing um playing in philadelphia 
our first game against Villa. Then we've got the Wednesday game on the 26th against Chelsea. And then we're two days later against Brighton up in um, New Jersey at the Red Bulls Stadium. So, you know, the whole squad will come. And so that, you know, in those perspectives, they'll all get a, get a chance to play. Okay. So what are some of the, if any, lessons that you were able to take from Atlanta United as a startup and apply to Newcastle under its new ownership and in its new goals and directions? I mean, look, it's a great question. It's funny, Doug, because when I started at Newcastle, so Newcastle was just celebrating its 130-year-old anniversary. Which is just Which, awesome. you know, puts in respect, <laughs> yeah. But I'll honestly say that, you know, going to Newcastle feels so much like starting at Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a 130-year-old startup because I remember that first day at Atlanta United at the Falcons training ground mm-hmm. in my office where... I think I did a photo for Twitter on the phone. The yes. phone wasn't plugged in, but it was like me <laughs> pretending. But, you know, and I remember sitting there thinking, right, where do you start? Because we need stadium, training ground, yeah. manager, team name, kit. And it was almost just that you could fill every day with work, but it was about prioritizing. What do we need to do now? What's mm-hmm. for six months? What's for a year from now? What's five years? And Newcastle United is very similar. We've got amazing ownership. Mm-hmm. We've got an amazing manager. Dan Ashworth, the sporting director, was already in place. Um, a crazy, passionate fan base. Um, a wonderful stadium in the middle of the city. But we've got so many things that we need to do. And it's almost, you know, my job was coming in and saying, OK, how do we prioritise getting where we want to get to? And it's slightly more difficult, I'd say, in some respects, because we're already playing. So, right. you know, at least when you... With Atlanta United, there was that golden period where you didn't lose the game for two and a half <laughs> years because you were able, but we don't have that luxury. So right. we're sort of trying to fix the plane as it's flying. So, you know, when I think about Atlanta United, I think, first of all, just that that process of going through something where you have to, you're forced to prioritise because you've got so many things to do. I see, you know, my role is almost like a facilitator. It's slightly different as well because I'm not the, I don't have to be the front man a little bit with Atlanta United because we were building it Mm -hmm. up from scratch. This is different. I'm trying to just give Dan and Eddie on the football side the resources they need to go and do their job. On the commercial side, we're trying to grow because we need the revenues to then put onto the pitch. Mm -hmm. So it's how do we try to organize that? We've got really engaged ownership that have great connections. And again, but how can we best utilize them because they're, they want to help, they've got all the expertise, but it's about channeling it into the right areas. So I see it more as being a facilitator. So I think that level I've learned a lot from, from Atlanta. And I think the big thing and is, and I've spoken about this quite a lot, you know, building Atlanta United, we had to take the fans sort of, the fan engagement was a fundamental part of mm-hmm. that. You know that from Arthur Blank and everything that he does. But, you know, genuinely when we were building the club, the only way we were going to build a team that could challenge the other professional sports was to think about every decision through the fan lens and I think that's something that we're we've done it at Newcastle it's done in the Premier League but I think it's something that you you can't take I don't say that clubs take fans for granted but it's a little bit easier because you've usually got you know let's take Newcastle sold out stadium Mm -hmm. waiting list for tickets so to be honest you know we would never do that, but you could almost take them for granted. But what we're trying to do is think about, okay, how can we think about that fan engagement? And then there's the different levels of fans. We've got our season ticket holder, but then we've got the fan that wants a season ticket, but it's never going to get one in mm-hmm. the near future because unless we can find some way to develop St. James's Park. So how do you make them feel connected? How do we make the Atlanta Mags, as an example, 
here in Atlanta feel connected. So we've got to start thinking about that fan engagement, both locally and globally. I think that's something that obviously America and sports commercially does things a little bit differently and you can't just cut and paste. But I do think my time in America, you know, that was really eye-opening for me was mm -hmm. just the way that the fan engagement, the fan experience is thought about, the commercial partners, how do you integrate them? And that's something that we'll be looking to do as we grow Newcastle United now. And as we have that success to just perhaps sort of use some of those insights to help build the club as we go forwards. Was there something that you did here that when you got to Newcastle, you said, well, I'm going to learn from that experience and not do that again? And uh, not do that again. Yeah, not do yeah. that again. <laughs> and, and, you know, conversely, what was a positive that you did that you said, I'm definitely going to do? Like something specific. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think from from our perspective, something that we want to do, like we're very focused on, you know, St. James's Park being in the city. We're very fortunate in that respect. We're probably, you know, I love the stat. I think within half a mile, there's 130 pubs within mm. Newcastle United, the next highest in the Premier League is Wolves with 30. Mm. So it just shows you we are that mm -hmm. stadium that's right in the middle of the city. Um, but it means that, you know, I think we have to be a little bit more thoughtful about how we can engage beyond just the stadium itself. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at things we can do. You know, one of the, frankly, coming here this weekend, you know, showing some of the Newcastle staff, the tailgate and what's done mm -hmm. around a match. Mm -hmm. It's not just the 90 minutes of the game, but thinking more about, can we do things in the build-up, you know, for different aspects of our supporters? It might be different for youngsters than it's going to be for, right. for the, you know, 20-something bloke, but what sort of things can we think about around that? So we've got some ideas where, um, you know, it, it's been sort of communicated, but we're in the process of purchasing some land that's right next to the Oh, okay. stadium so that gives us a bit of flexibility mm -hmm. to to think about the footprint beyond just the stadium itself i think that's very much mm -hmm. like we have it here in atlanta and, and the way that we sort of built atlanta united mm -hmm. so i think that's something that's good i wouldn't say i'm trying to think no, nothing i would say we've done differently but what i would say is it's it isn't a case of doing everything that yeah. we did atlanta and newcastle it's different sort of mm -hmm. culture different um level of history and Nuance. So I think that's the key thing of, of just, you know, again, taking some of those perhaps bigger philosophical thoughts and then how do we actually do this that works mm -hmm. in the Premier League in Newcastle and, and sort of trying to do that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
So are you going to go through the supporters lot on Saturday? Yes, definitely. Yes, excited to. Uh... Y'all are going to see a much different Darren. <laughs> <laughs> There's videos on social media to prove it. <laughs> if it's the same Darren. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you miss about Atlanta? Um, just all the friends that that were built here. Um, I think uh, the weather is definitely <laughs> it's weird. a little it's bit weird. warmer. Although today it feels like a Newcastle day with the rain. Yeah, it's bizarre this week. Um, but no, I mean, look, it's it. You know, we we had seven and a half years as a family and loved every minute of mm-hmm. it. And you know, it's it's certainly as far as I'm concerned in America, where I'd call home. And um, you know, love the city, proud of what was achieved mm-hmm. here. Um, and it's just fun to be back and seeing some familiar faces. And now that you've had a few months to kind of, I don't know how much time you've had to reflect because I know you've got your hands full with this wonderful project at Newcastle. Is there something that you think about now that maybe you didn't think about a lot when you were here that you're proud of or makes you happy? Um, I think actually this trip probably, you know, so just driving up here to the training ground and you think about how much work went into mm-hmm building the training ground how quickly we did it and mm-hmm. that was just one of and you had 20, to pivot 20 yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. but one of like 25 work swings at the <laughs> yeah. time because we obviously were doing the stadium and then we had the mm-hmm. delay to the stadium we were you know putting the the team together trying to build the fan base so i think you know that sense when you're in it sometimes it's hard to sort of reflect and i think coming back now certainly as sort of on the flight over just thinking wow where did we find time that we did and and you know what it was like it became almost like just a a train going down a hill that just got that momentum and you know the the supporters were just amazing and continue to be amazing Mm -hmm. I mean obviously watching the games on um on Apple now we can get it over in England and you still see the crazy fan base Mm -hmm. and I think that's the bit that that gives me the most sense of pride is that you know because it's this is Atlanta's team we always said the seven teams and they grabbed it and you know that will always be there and I think that's the great thing so I think a Newcastle with 130 years and you start to think just imagine yeah it's crazy you know welcome <laughs> coming but 50 years from now just you know the the privilege to have been part of building something that means so much to the community is is a real honor I've always wanted to ask you this and I don't know if you'll answer <laughs> what is the one thing that a lot of us reported that was just absolutely wrong um <laughs> I think I think it's like anything um, when you're in football you'll see stories and they're so crazy some of the speculation mm-hmm. that you, you get into that state where you can't just say that's wrong because then right. you, you get it on every yeah. rumour and nowadays in social media as you know the tendency is just to throw out you know 10 different things and if you're right one in 10 you use that to sort of show that you're in the know and so I think you know it's changed a lot the media in that respect so there was loads of times when we were linked with players or players were linked uh, otherwise yeah Wayne yeah. Rooney was linked here like yeah. in 20 the fall of 2016 yeah exactly okay. so you know so that never happened so you know I think that's the that's the reality it's the same in Newcastle I mean you, you can imagine there's sort of players or or agents. So that's always the funny bit. And I think, you know, it's like the sophistication of the fan base. I think even they understand now that 
agents have got a reason they might want to yeah. put a player in or a club's got a reason so you know you should probably sort of take one in ten of everything you read as having sort of substance what's written on your uh whiteboard in your oh, office yes. in Newcastle <laughs> oh now I'm stepping up I've got an electronic <laughs> whiteboard so, yeah you see that's <laughs> Premier League money for you so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah no no I mean it's uh It'll be it'll be interesting as we as we're growing the club now because I think you know no different from Atlanta and mm-hmm. then you know it was the designate player and who you're going to sign. We're mm-hmm. going through that now with if we do get Champions League, who's the players coming in? So there's that speculation and that's part of the fun of being in football is you know the fans all speculate on who they want. But uh, right. do, do they know what you used to write on the whiteboard when you would do? No, during COVID during Zoom meetings, he would always put these cryptic but funny messages on the whiteboard that you could see in a corner of the screen. So the first one we did was sign Messi, wasn't it? Right, we just yeah. put it, it was just there, and then so that got the whole rumors going. Oh, Atlanta's going to go. But then you know, the next one was when we had um, uh, Kanye West day. Yes, remember he was doing his residency, right. which filming. is still bizarre. So I had like, was it one turn up? Yes. Kanye's there. You know, it's, <laughs> We'd spend a lot of time looking at that board out of the corner of our eyes while we were talking to Darren, trying to figure out, trying to see what he had written on there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so what's the success that Newcastle is having this season? How has that affected uh, the timeline given to you or that you have set for the franchise to kind of take next steps? And what are those next steps? Well, I think we've got a, you know, our vision is to be a sustainable top six club in the Premier League competing for trophies. And the key thing to that, Doug, is sustainable. So, you know, for us to, you know, we want to be building something where we have the financial fair play regulations in Europe anyway. Mm -hmm. So, in effect, that caps your ability to spend. You have to spend within your means in terms of the, you have to generate the revenues in order to spend. So, you know, it's a business proposition and we want to be a club that's self-sustaining. Um, but we understand that to get where we want to get to, to break into that top six, you have to have a certain level of salary to spend. You mm-hmm. can't just wish that you want to be. It's not good enough to just say, well, we want to be top six, but if you haven't got the right. the wage bill to back that up. Um, so I think, you know, we're not under any illusions that we're having great success this season in terms of punching above our weight, given what we spend on mm-hmm. salaries. But... But if we are fortunate enough to get that Champions League, I think it just helps us accelerate that process because we'll get Champions League revenues. We can reinvest that into the team. So in effect, you know, we've got this steady state that we see towards in five years' time being a top six sustainable club, um, you know, competing for trophies. But this probably gives us that little bit of a step above the curve. And the key thing now is how do we maximise that? Because the, the converse of that is... And I think, you know, shout out to ownership and Eddie and Dan have done a great job in the players they brought in. Um, but we haven't had any sort of misses. Right. The problem we have is we don't have the resources at the moment where you can afford to do a 50 million, 80 million pound player and for them not to be right. a significant contributor. So we have to we have to be really efficient with our spend at the moment to be competitive. But, you know, my challenge now is, and it's a great champagne problem to have, to use Tata's famous words, yes. is that because we're now doing over and above on the football side, it helps us now with the revenue. We're going to have bigger exposure to help grow the revenue. And that's what the revenue is always going to be behind football because we're 
it's going to take us longer to build the infrastructure right. to do that. But we're in a great place because of the way the team's playing. You know, we were most televised matches we've had in in England for a number of years. That brings you incremental revenue. You know, the profile of the club has never been higher. You know, we've got uh, an Amazon documentary series that's being filmed. So yeah. there's this level of of just focus on the club because I think it's in the world of football it's an exciting project mm-hmm. because it is a club that has you know. 50 years plus since they've won a trophy. The fans have stuck with them through thick and thin, and most of it's been thin recently. But they've got this chance now to to take this regional powerhouse and can we mm-hmm. can we build it into a top six club? So, you know, the, the success on the pitch is helping us speed, I think, the process up. But again, we've got to be realistic. It doesn't mean just because right. you've had one season, you've made it. And, you know, the Premier League is littered with teams that have broken into that top four and then fallen away and Leicester's at the moment a great example yeah. of a club that five years ago had won the trophy have had you know European Champions League sort of two campaigns there they won the FA Cup and then they could go down this year so right. you know again we can't we've got to be humble we've got to be methodical we've got to have a structure in place and I think you know like I said hope's not a plan so it's not good enough to just say well we did it this year we hope we do it next year we have to build the the revenues to then support the football side to then be able to say, okay, it's a realistic assumption for us to be consistently top six because we've provided those resources mm-hmm. that we expect that. In that vein, knowing or recognizing you're, you weren't sporting director here at Atlanta United, you're not sporting director at Newcastle, but did working within MLS's salary cap and the different mechanisms, is that affecting your thinking on how to approach and sign players for Newcastle to, to build this depth and... Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I, I, I always spoke about it when I came to to MLS. I think it definitely helped me coming into MLS from Tottenham and West Brom because at both clubs we had almost like a self imposed mm-hmm. salary cap because you know percentage of turnover went to wages. So I think that's always a good discipline because it was never a case where you could just spend what you wanted or if the fan base were calling for a player, you just did it to appease them. So I think having that focus, and we have a focus at Newcastle, you know, my role as chief exec is how do we maximise our revenues to create the biggest pot that we can give to the football side for them to deploy, you know, and it's for them to deploy. My help is in the... um, financial other ways around if there's sort of certain players we want to bring in and other ways that we can structure it to help within the financial mm-hmm. fair play regulation um, but I think you know we're a good team and I think you know it helps come from a salary cap because you have that same discipline mm-hmm. you know you have the same rule structure that means you can't just you know and that's our reality is you know we've got an ownership group that is committed to building a sustainable club that you know theoretically if there were no rules they probably could spend more than we are doing currently now, would do willingly because they want success, but we are guardrailed by the financial fair play regulations, so we have to do it as efficiently as possible. And I think it's that efficiency of spend that's mm-hmm. the key. Are we going to see any MLS players on Newcastle's roster going into next season? Are we going to see any MLS play, current MLS players on Newcastle's roster next I'm season? I'm not sure. You'd have to ask, uh, <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. And how much do you miss American beer? <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't miss that. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my interview with Darren. I want to remind you that there's a preview podcast for tonight's game between Atlanta United and Charlotte. 
You can find that wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Please remember to rate and review the podcast. And as always, we'll be back Sunday morning with a recap of Saturday's MLS game between Atlanta United and Charlotte at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.